2019, we saw the Land Development Agency launch a major urban plan for a rejuvenation project for Colbert Quarter in Limerick. Potential for creation of 2,800 homes and was seen as a flagship project for the LDA. The perception locally is that it's gone quiet, has it? Uh, no. Um, the LDA is a, a relatively new agency, um, only established in the last couple of years. Um, it's been slow to get started, quite frankly, um, but we're starting to see some real progress on the ground all around the country, um, providing social housing, providing affordable housing for people to buy. And uh, Limerick is very much high on the agenda, so uh, really keen to see that develop and um, increase the number of housing available to people people in the country. And you know, we're seeing a real growth in the number of new homes being built. Um, we'll exceed our target this year, build more than 30,000 new homes all over the country, including in Limerick and the Midwest. Um, and that's very encouraging if you think about it. Um, when I first became Taoiseach back in 2017, uh, we were only able to build about 14,000 houses a year. That's more than doubled. And we're going to push up from that over the next couple of years. But in relation to Colbert, it is a city centre development. We are seeing other developments that are potentially causing more sprawl. I mean, there does seem to be a need for a focus in the city centre. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, we want more people living in our city centres. We want more life, more activity in, in our city centres. Um, Limerick has improved a lot in the last couple of years as somebody's a regular visitor. You know, there's so much more going on in the city centre than would have been the case in the past, whether it's the, the Rugby Museum, whether it's the Opera Quarter, whether it's uh, all the new developments that we've seen. But there's a lot more that can be done. The downside is, of course, that city centre developments, they're brownfield sites, they're, they're more complicated to develop um, and often uh, the homes and apartments that you build there are more expensive to build than they would be, for example, if you're building in Castle Troy or building, um, uh, you know, uh, on the edge of the city. But, um, but still, it's, what, it's what, what we need to do and where we need to go. Now, speaking of Castle Troy, Live 95 recently covered a story which revealed that entire new developments in the Castle Troy area of Limerick were being bulk bought by approved housing bodies. Do you think that approved housing bodies are new, now in competition with each other and with private home buyers when it comes to new build housing? Well, what I'd prefer to see is um, local authorities and approved housing bodies, you know, funding new developments from scratch. Um, because I know it's very frustrating when people see, you know, a housing estate being built and they think they might be able to buy there. And then they suddenly discover that the council or an approved housing body has uh, bought it all up for social housing or some form of public housing. But I do think it's important to bear in mind it's not a zero-sum game. So say, for example, an approved housing body buys up an estate of 50 houses. Um, the people moving in there um, are on the housing list. Um, they're coming off the housing list, which is a good thing, but they're often living in private rented accommodation. And that house that they move out of then gets freed up, uh, freed up for a first-time buyer to buy uh, or a family to buy uh, or freed up for somebody else to rent. And, you know, so, so it's not, it's not, um, not a zero-sum game in that sense. I, I think sometimes that's, that's not really borne in mind. Is there an issue with councils building on council-owned land? And why are councils and approved housing bodies purchasing from private developers? Well, they're doing both. Um, so most of the new social housing and public housing that we provide, um, when I say public housing, I mean cost rental as well, which is a, you know, a new form of, social, of public housing for people who don't qualify for social housing. Most of it now uh, is being built from scratch, um, but a certain amount of it is being purchased uh, or leased. Um, our preference is that it gets built from scratch, but sometimes it makes sense to buy our, our lease homes, um, you know, particularly if you need... Um, 
a, a very large home for a large family. You need, may need a particular type of home in a particular area, um, maybe for somebody with a disability so uh, or an adapted home. Uh, and sometimes in some parts of the country, it's actually cheaper to buy existing housing than it is to build from scratch for various different reasons. Um, but the vast majority of new public housing is is built as new rather than purchased from developers and that should be the norm in my view. Moving on to offshore wind, we know that the development of offshore in Foynes and in the Shannon Estuary has the potential to create 15,000 jobs, possibly more. You recently attended the launch of the Shannon Estuary Task Force's implementation map and report. When can we expect to see a government response to that report? Uh, very soon. Um, attended the launch there in Arden across Shachi set up that task force when I was um, tarnished as Minister for Enterprise. Um, we discussed it as recently at Cabinet Subcommittee level in uh, Dublin here on Thursday. So we'll have the response to that led by Minister Coveney in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's a really ambitious plan uh, and uh, offshore wind is the future. It's my ambition that Ireland should become energy independent. Uh, we don't need to import oil or gas into the future and that energy that we produce um, from renewable sources can be used to do so many different things like produce green fertiliser for farmers, uh, produce sustainable aviation fuels that we can use in our planes, which would be really important for Shannon Airport, for example, um, and also potentially produce energy that we can export um, to Britain and to France over the new interconnectors. Um, for obvious reasons, when you when you when you are picking apples, you go for the low-hanging fruit first, and um, we started with onshore wind, but that will move to fixed-bottom wind, um, particularly on the east and south coast, and then to floating offshore, particularly off the west coast. And we need to get ready for that, uh, and that means investing in the grid, changing the planning system, um, and investing in ports, ports like Foynes in particular. There are suggestions that the designated maritime area plan may not be in place before at least 2027, yet it had been expected by Q1 2024. What's causing the delay? And do you think the Midwest could be at risk of being usurped by other countries when it comes to the delivery of wind energy potential? Well, there is a lot of competition, and you know we do need to bear that in mind. Um, every country is uh, embracing renew- renewable energy, um, is uh, building solar, is building offshore wind, and um, there's only so many engineers who know how to do this. There's only so many ports that have the capacity, and there's only so much in the supply chain in terms of steel and concrete and uh, all of the different parts that you need in a turbine, for example. Um, I'm, I'm very wise to that, and I've, I've met a lot of uh, my counterparts in other European countries and we're very keen to cooperate around this and make sure it's plan-led because if we're all competing for the same staff, the same skills and the same resources, all it's going to do is drive up the cost uh, of installing a new wind plant and that's, I think, why cooperation, particularly at European level, is going to be really important in getting this right. We saw the possibility of how we can deliver something like that back in 1929 when we delivered Arden across Are we lacking the same vision or what's the problem in modern Ireland in terms of delivering projects like that? Um, I, I, I don't think there's, there's, there's any lack of vision in the slightest, um, and we've come a long way. You know, it's not that long ago when we produced almost none of our energy from renewable sources. Um, we're now up to 30 40% of all the electricity we produce uh, coming from renewables, uh, mostly from onshore wind. Um, the next step really now is to get to 80%. We think we can do that by 2030. And then uh, to really leap uh, above 100%, if you like, and be in a position to produce excess energy, which we can then use um, to do other things uh, and power industry. And that's, that's the vision that we have. 
Looking at the city centre this week, Limerick Chamber issued a report looking at Limerick city centre. It highlights a city centre with just 7,700 people and they've also found that 7% of the people living in the city centre own their own homes. One of the goals of government is to increase home ownership. How does the government address ambition starting from such a low base? Well, you know, I think when it comes to our city centres, we're keen just to have more people living there. Um, you know, it wouldn't be unusual if you go to city centres all around the world uh, for a lot of people living there to either be in social housing or being rented housing, whereas home ownership tends to be higher in suburban areas and rural areas. And uh, I'm not sure we can make that hugely different. But in terms of helping people to become homeowners, um, we're doing so much now. You know, there's the Help to Buy grant, which really helps so Basically, the income tax and the USC that you've paid for the past three years will give that back to you um, if you're buying a new home and you're a first-time buyer. Um, there's local authority loans for people who weren't able to get a loan from the bank. Uh, and we have the whole first home program now, which bridges the gap between um, the mortgage that the bank will give you and the, the cost of buying a property. Um, and I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing. We have now roughly roughly 500 first-time buyers a week, um, individuals and couples buying their first home, drawing down their first mortgage. Haven't seen that in 16 years. Uh, so I know we're catching up on uh, a prolonged period when there were very few first-time buyers, but just so encouraging to see that happen. And um, we want to see more of it. Another thing we're encouraging people particularly to do in, in more rural areas uh, is to apply for uh, the new grant that we have. Um, if you take an old building, um, a derelict house, a vacant house, bring it back into use, we'll give you a grant between fifty and 70000 uh, to do that, and even a loan to help pay for the rest of it. And we have 200 applications in from Limerick already, and uh, I think that can really help and really help to transform some of our villages and towns in particular. And a lot of these initiatives have been in place for almost 10 years. We saw the Limerick 2030 Economic and Spatial Strategy launched 10 years ago with the creation of Limerick 2030 DAC, yet we're seeing very little delivery. Where's the problem? Well, I think think there has been a lot of investment in in Limerick in recent years. Um, you know, great to see uh, UL develop so much. Um, the new Technological University of the Shannon and Munster as well, um, uh, and also a huge amount of uh, IDA investment. Um, Limerick's been extremely successful in attracting um, new jobs and new investment in the last ten years, and really glad to see that. Um, there are some projects that aren't advancing as quickly as they should, uh, and very often there's different reasons for that. Sometimes it's finance. Uh, Sometimes it's the planning process. Um, sometimes it's just real difficulty finding um, skilled staff to do the work for you, particularly at a time of full, full employment. But um, we're going to keep pressing on with these things. With the directly elected mayor election next year, a budget of seven million. Do you think it's sufficient to address all of those problems, or um, are we at risk of having a mayor that's simply going to have to go cap in hand to Dublin every time he wants to get something or she wants to get something? Yeah, well, look, that, that's only part of the mayor's budget. You know, the, the, the city and county council has a substantial budget, which is funded in part from government grants, in part from the local property tax, which people pay, in part from commercial rates and charges. So um, that's only one aspect of the mayor's budget. Um, we're really keen to make this work. Um, I'm a believer in the idea of having directly elected mayors. Um, we want this to work. Um, bear in mind that it is a start. Uh, when we saw a devolution, for example, in in London, when the London mayor was created, in Scotland and Wales, um, what happened was that after the first four or five years, 
more power was added, more budgetary powers were added as well. So I'm very keen to see this up and running, um, to see the election happen in June. Uh, and if it's, if it's a success, I can see us expanding the powers, expanding the budget, um, and then crucially extending it to, to other cities. So, you know, Limerick is very much the uh, the pilot, the leader on this. And uh, I'm determined from central government to work with the new mayor, whoever that is, and to make the whole concept and the whole office successful. And, and just in relation to that, I mean, making it a success, putting a chief executive who retains quite a lot of the powers, a new directly elected mayor and the councillors in the council chamber, almost in competition with each other for results, is the structure going to be workable? Uh, I believe it will. Like the relationship between the directly elected mayor and the CEO is very similar to what you'd have for a government minister. You know, I've been a government minister in various departments now for for 12 years. Ministers aren't all powerful and they shouldn't be. It's dangerous when that happens. Uh, You tend to work with a secretary general who has a lot of responsibilities too. And that makes sure that there are uh, important checks and balances. Um, But what it will do, and this is crucially important is it will mean that somebody who is elected by the people of Limerick will um, hold most of the power at the moment. Um, The mayor of a city or county is largely a symbolic position, uh, an important role, but largely a symbolic position. And they're often only there, they're almost always only there for a year. But somebody who's there for five years with a democratic mandate, um, with additional powers, uh, will really be respected uh, and um, listen to and um, will be able to lead the executive in a way that doesn't happen when you have an office that you know turns over every year in the way it does currently. Getting towards the end, Taoiseach, uh, Carry this week, the Limerick-based charity supporting children and families affected by sexual abuse, say they're facing imminent closure unless the government more provides more funding. Do you see a future for Carry, and will government provide more support? Uh, yes and yes to, to answer your question um, it, it's a really really valuable body really important agency um, provides at the moment services to about 50 children and their families but uh, probably more than twice as many again uh, who, are, who are waiting for the service uh, so I was speaking to Minister Gorman about this only in the last couple of days uh, additional funding is being provided um, for the rest of the year uh, about a quarter of a million euros to make sure that they can continue uh, operating for the rest of the year and then we, we'll use the, the time over the next few weeks to sit down with them and try and work out uh, a long-term plan uh, to make sure that they can continue to operate and continue to provide those really important services to children and families who are affected by the horrors of child sexual abuse. And final question, Tishik. We saw good news yesterday as it was revealed that Ryan Tuberty will now present a weekend show on Live 95 here in Limerick. Your thoughts? Um, look, my, my congratulations to, to Ryan on uh, securing a new job. He's a very talented person and uh, I know he's going to enjoy being back on the radio and uh, wish him every success. And I think it's uh, you know, a positive thing that he won't just be, he, he isn't fully lost to Ireland if you like. He, he, to, he will still be able to hear his voice on, um, uh, on local radio all around the country.